Hey guys, this week I am bringing you a two-part series and we are going to actually talk about screen time. I know this can be something that can feel a little bit intimidating or maybe even a little bit impossible to deal with, especially with the world we live in today, which is so technology-driven. However, I think it's something that we really do need to address and I think if we can kind of get a handle on it in our home, we can see amazing benefits come from setting some boundaries around it not only with our children, but with ourselves. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the reason why we should try to reduce our screen time and screen time for our children, and then kind of just touching on maybe some of the issues that can come up with too much screen time. And then for part two, we're going to talk more about some solutions. So let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to the Special Kind of Motherhood podcast. This podcast is for moms who are parenting differently able children. Maybe you desire to switch to a more natural lifestyle to improve your family's health, but you have no idea where to start. You're longing for more routines and time, but every time you try to implement those tips that you've spent hours researching, you realize that they don't work for your family dynamics. Hi, I'm Ashley. In this podcast, we will focus on implementing routines, switching to a more natural lifestyle, and uprooting those old mindsets that are keeping you stuck so that you can plant yourself firmly in the truth that Jesus offers you. Our focus will be on creating small, customizable changes that will build upon one another over time to create real impact in your life. If you want to hear from a mama who has been raising several children with special needs and who knows how important it is to do this in a way that's sustainable and that doesn't add to your overwhelm, then this is the podcast for you. Pop in those earbuds, reheat that coffee for the third time, and let's go. Hey mamas, welcome back. Today we are going to talk about screen time. And I know this is a topic that has gotten more and more attention over time. It's something that, you know, has people have various opinions about. And obviously, we all have various amounts of frequency that we allow screen time in our home. So I'm just going to kind of approach this. I have done some research myself, and I am going to share about that because there have been studies done on this topic and then I'm also going to share about our personal experience and just some different maybe ideas that we have done. Just it's more of kind of a my experience along with sharing a little bit of the research that I found. So some people I think would wonder, you know, if they haven't really heard much about the detriments of screen time, they may wonder why would it be necessary to even reduce screen time? And I want to share a little bit about that. I have done a little bit of research specifically related to autism and screen time, but then also just the effects of screen time in general, whether a person is neurotypical or neurodivergent. And with being neurodivergent, obviously that's not just um, a person who is autistic. So I'm going to just share a little bit about that. And then the other research that I found even pertaining to someone who is neurotypical. One thing that I saw, and I know it is common for people who are autistic to often have issues with their melatonin levels and to struggle with sleep. Something that I found very interesting when I was doing research was the fact that actually the blue lights from screens will affect our sleep cycle and they actually directly affect melatonin because they suppress the body's uh, release of melatonin. I actually found it said a few minutes of screen time can actually delay the release of melatonin in the body by hours. So if you especially are allowing your children to do screen time at night, then if they're struggling with sleep, you might look into that to see, okay, if we are allowing screen time, could we possibly do it earlier in the morning or 
early afternoon so that we are not causing any kind of issues with their body being able to release melatonin so that they can go to sleep. Another thing I saw just in general about the effects of screen time are that it can actually increase central nervous system arousal, which of course is going to feel like stress and anxiety to the body. So it's going to put you a lot more in that fight or flight state as well. And you know, that is not a place that we want to chronically live in where our central nervous system is overstimulated. With autism, it said that specifically people who are autistic are actually more sensitive to stimulus. So that means that they're going to react even stronger to the effects of screen time. And their body is often not as likely to be able to regulate and to calm down from being exposed to screens. So with screen time, it is said to inflame the nervous system, which I touched on earlier. It will actually release stress hormones in the body. It can possibly hinder developmental skills as well, and it can also worsen sensory issues. When you're looking at a child who is struggling already, if we are allowing them to be exposed to a large amount of screen time, it actually could be magnifying struggles or behaviors that they are having because we are allowing them to overuse screens. One study actually showed that kids that are autistic actually spend more time on screens than kids that are neurotypical, which I could see being very true because a lot of times autistic people are drawn to screens. And, you know, they're very intelligent with screens, with technology. I know that is true in my family. So it's something that we have to consider weighing the pros and cons of it and maybe even finding that good balance of allowing them exposure, but not to their detriment. Another thing to consider when we're talking about the use of screen time is the fact that we are actually exposing ourselves and our children to EMFs. And EMFs are basically just electromagnetic fields. There are things that are high frequency EMF, which would be things like an x-ray, and then there are also things that are low to mid-frequency EMFs, and those are going to be things like our household appliances, our cell phones, our microwaves, all of these types of things. We also have, you know, 5G towers right now. So basically our entire environment is filled with EMFs. And when we consider the fact that we are being exposed to EMFs, you know, our environment is just generally very toxic. It's extremely hard to escape the exposure of EMFs just because we would basically have to live off grid in the middle of nowhere in order to do that with no electricity, no internet, nothing like that. And so I think the goal really has to be to limit our exposure as much as we can. We do know, obviously, we live in a world that is ran by technology. So we are going to have exposure to technology, but we can just be wise about how are we implementing this? Are we exposing ourselves 24-7 and never getting a break? Just using that wisdom to decide what works best for you and your family. And we have discovered that there are risks that come with EMF exposure. So one of those would be that it actually has been shown to increase our oxidative stress levels in our body. And I've talked a little bit about oxidative stress in previous podcast episodes and just about the fact that it is so heavily linked to different health struggles and diseases and things like that. So I think we do have to consider the fact that if we are constantly exposing ourselves, we are most likely increasing our body's levels of oxidative stress. And while we know we cannot completely avoid the effects of this, like I said, if we can at least reduce the amount of exposure we're having, 
And then if we can also mitigate the risks that are going to be coming with this exposure, I think that's just really wise. So we use a product that we've used for quite a while now that actually has been peer-reviewed and scientifically proven to lower the oxidative stress levels in the body by at least 40% within the first 30 days of taking it. It's something we've just seen great health benefits with and it makes me feel good to know the fact that we are lowering our oxidative stress levels, especially because like I said, it's so heavily linked to disease. And then on top of that, we actually take a product by the same company that helps to increase your mitochondrial health. And that is something that is also heavily linked to like mitochondrial dysfunction is heavily linked to disease as well. So for us, it's no surprise that as we take the combination of these products, we are seeing an increase in our health. We're seeing breakthrough for my children, all of these types of things, just because of the fact that we are giving the body the tools that it needs to function as God designed it to. In the show notes below, I will share a link for both of those products in case you're interested. You're welcome to reach out to me and ask anything about them. But then I also want to address the fact that we can just find ways at home as well to actually lower our exposure to EMFs. And things that you could do would be like unplugging your appliances when you're not using them. Um, turning your cell phone off at night or at least putting it in airplane mode or putting it at least six feet away from your bed. You don't want to be sleeping with a cell phone right by your head every night, which I used to do because I didn't know any better. Um, another thing would be like devices that you're wearing, Apple watches, all of, any kind of fitness watch. We know it's connected to our phone. It's constantly emitting a signal. And so I actually was struggling with arm pain and things like that whenever I was wearing an Apple watch that went away whenever I took it off. And it was the same thing. If I wear earbuds too much, um, I will end up getting like my jaw will lock up and I, I will have like jaw pain. I don't necessarily get headaches, but I just feel like my jaw is tense basically. And so it does have effects on our body that sometimes we don't even realize. A lot of times people will, if they remove their, or at least reduce their EMF exposure, they will realize that they were having brain fog and just various other things like that. So I think just being able to try to reduce our exposure, and this comes with our kids, our kids are going to be more sensitive to these things just because their body mass is less. So it's going to affect them more than it would us. So I think it is wise when we're looking at limiting screen time of also addressing that added benefit of the fact that we're not letting our child spend hours a day on a device that they're holding in their lap right on top of them. And then also being honest about the fact of we know that they are going to have some exposure so what are some ways that we can help to just kind of decrease the effects that are going to come from this exposure? Some of the recommendations, there's actually recommendations out there for screen time for children. And what I have found, there's, there's a few different recommendations, but one solid one that I have found is under two years of age, they recommend no screen time at all. From two years to five years old, they say one hour a day. And then from five years to 17 years, they say two hours. And this is all screens. So this would be if they're doing homework for school, if they're watching TV, if they're playing on a phone, any kind of screen in general. I did find some research that showed that using a handheld device like an iPad or a, a phone is actually the most stimulating and the most harmful kind of screen time that you can have. We have actually lived this out. <laughs> this is why I'm sharing this because I have experienced this with my children. And my children are 
fairly sensitive to screens. It's something we have had stages where we've gone with literally no screens at all. And then we might start incorporating it back in small amounts. And then we've had those times where someone gets sick and they have watched entirely too much screen time and we have noticed what a difference it makes for them. We actually went through a period where we just went cold turkey on screen times. The TV was not turned on. There was no devices. No one was watching anything in our house. And there actually can be a detox period from screens, which makes sense because they are made to be addictive, even to us as adults. So it was actually really, really bad for, um, I would say, seven to 10 days. It was very rough. It was a true detox period. And so behaviors increased, um, agitation, all of these things, it got pretty rough to the point where I was just thinking, okay, can we, can we make it through this? But we did. And then on the other side, what I found to be true was that my children were reading, sitting in the floor, reading books more. They were playing quietly. They were less overstimulated. They were not constantly sensory seeking and they were concentrating better. So after that, I was pretty much convinced that it was it was required in my house that we limit screen time. And I will be honest, it can be a battle at times. Obviously, it's very easy when we're trying to do something else to give our child a screen. Or, you know, like I mentioned earlier, when we're dealing with sickness and we just need to keep everyone entertained to help, you know, a vomiting child or whatever the thing is. I'm not saying that we do this perfectly all the time, but it is something that I really actually try to do the hour a day goal of we're not doing anything more than an hour. And I'm also very selective about what we do. There are very few cartoons that my children can watch because a lot of specific cartoons get them very overstimulated, very overwhelmed. They will be imitating the cartoons and that is not something like they're imitating something that I'm not okay with. Not that they're inappropriate cartoons. It's just they don't understand the difference between this is, you know, like they're hitting someone because it's a cartoon versus hitting someone in real life. We mainly stick to educational apps or some kind of educational program for screen time. And one thing that I would recommend is if you're unsure, like you're trying, so you decide you want to reduce your screen time, you want to be wise about what you choose for screen time, because I think that's also important. You know, ask your children's therapist if they have any recommendations or go online and look and look for apps that have actually been independently researched or reviewed by like an educator or someone like that. I do think we need to be wise, like I said, with what we're allowing them to have access to and just be honest with ourselves about really watching our children and seeing what kind of response they have to specific things. And that's something I've had to do in my in my house and that's why a lot of stuff just, we, you know, we might get a movie and it's really cute and funny, but then it's like, no, we can't do that. And that's just what, that's just the rule in our house. Because it's not really fair to my children for me to put something in front of them that I know is going to overstimulate them, to overwhelm them, to encourage them to act in a way that, you know, it's not okay to be walking around hitting someone or jumping and climbing on everything in the house because you see the PJ masks doing it, <laughs> those types of things. So we just have to be wise about stewarding what we allow in our home to best encourage our children 
just to thrive and to grow. And that's what I want to say is just watching your child's response to these specific things. Even with learning apps, see, is it actually a good fit for their learning style? And does it seem, do they seem to be responding well to it? Does it not seem to be overstimulating them? Some things that you could watch for in this would be things like sleep disturbances, irritability. Uh, whenever you're taking the screen away from them, what is their reaction? Are they obsessed with the screen? or the game, or whatever it may be? Are you noticing after they're done with screen time, are they having behavior changes? That's been a big uh, red flag for me with certain things, is after screen time is done, has there been a shift in behavior? If so, we need to reevaluate. And then also, do they seem more anxious, or irritable, or just overstimulated? All of these could be signs that maybe you just need to rethink what you're offering them and try something else. And I think overall, just like anything in life, we just have to look at our specific child and their specific needs. Let's just get very curious about evaluating how do they react to screen time? What things are they struggling with more? Are there certain things that they can handle better than others? And then just keeping an open mind to see the fact that it might actually be having more effect on them than we actually realize. So next time on Thursday, I'm going to come back and I will share with you some different solutions and other alternatives that you can try if you find this is a major struggle for you. So I will see you back on Thursday. Hey, before you go, if you found value in today's episode or you learned something new, would you take a minute to share with someone else that you know would be blessed by it? I would also love it if you would leave me a review. This lets me know that you're enjoying the show and I love hearing from you. You can connect with me further over on Facebook or Instagram. Until next time, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constantly in prayer. Romans 12, 12.